Thanks for joining us for today's message. Here at Temple Baptist, we're a church on a mission, connecting people to Jesus and to one another. We're going to kind of zero in on one particular verse this morning. Proverbs chapter 11, uh, verse 1. And this is what it says. The Lord abhors dishonest scales, but accurate weights find favor with him. Some of your translations will say, uh, dishonest scales are an abomination to the Lord. Ooh, that's strong language. Dishonest scales. What's that all about? Now, when I think of scales, and maybe when you think of scales, you may, maybe you think of this. I, uh, this, is, this is my bathroom scales. And this bathroom scale told me last week that I have gained 22 pounds during COVID season. I don't like this scale. But I don't think that's the scale that he's referring to. Of course, a lot of us also maybe think of the airport scale. You know, you're going on a plane, you pack your luggage, and you get to the, the ticket agent, and you, they ask you to put your luggage up on the scale, and you're just dreading that it's going to be overweight because you know it's going to cost you more money, right? But this is probably more like what Solomon is talking about, uh, the kind of scales that he's making reference to. For much of history... This is actually how trade uh, was done. Now, when things got a little more sophisticated, the Greeks actually had a centralized set of weights, and merchants were to have their weights tested against the standard. Now, I've worked at a, a, a number of jobs, actually. We, we use scales all the time. In fact, I, one year when I was in high school, I, I worked at a bus station, and I worked in the shipping and receiving department, and so people were always shipping packages, and I would take their packages, and I would weigh the package, and then I would see how far it is going, and then I would charge them accordingly to the weight. I, I worked five summers at a, at a lobster pound. And, of course, we, you know, we had all the lobsters in crates. We'd load up the big trucks, make sure the crates are at least 100 pounds apiece. And then, but then people off the street would come along and say, hey, I want to buy 10 pounds of lobster. And so, of course, we put the lobsters on the scale and, you know, multiply it by uh, an incredible amount of money. And, and we'd sell the lobsters uh, to the people. In Solomon's day, more likely, they probably just put stones on one side uh, to balance it out. And really, you were at the mercy of the honesty and the integrity of the merchant. Now, now when you go on um, Kijiji, Marketplace, Mommy Mart, and you're buying something, how much integrity are you hoping the seller has when they sell that product to you? If they were, had 80% integrity, would you be pretty happy with that? Like, okay, it's pretty good. 80% integrity. Would you want 90% of integrity? We have very high expectations for integrity, especially when it comes to us and our money. We have a very high expectation. You know, when I go to the pharmacy and I get my order of pills, I take high blood pressure medication. So I go there, I get my three months prescription. I, I don't actually count it. I just assume that the pharmacist actually is honest. I don't sit there and count, is there three months worth of pills there? I also 
I also just trust that the manufacturers of the pills are putting the right ingredients in the pills. Can you imagine if the pills that I took only had 80% of the stuff that should be in there? And the other 20% were like, who knows what? It could cause some problems. I mean, we read stuff about, you know, counterfeit drugs or fake drugs and, and people die because of it. So the question is, how much integrity is enough integrity? I took a picture of this. It's outside of my house, actually. I thought, you know what? The power company don't think people have much integrity. Because they put this little seal right here to make sure nobody is tampering with this thing right here, the meter. Because they probably know there would be people that would try to slow that meter down somehow. So how much is enough integrity? The verse says... The Lord abhors dishonest scales. But accurate weights, he finds favor with him. As I said, when one of your translations would say, is an abomination. Maybe a word that might be a little more familiar that we use, because we don't usually, usually throw that term around, abomination. But here's a word that we often will use. Dishonest scales are disgusting to the Lord. I don't know when you think of disgusting. I don't know what comes to mind. You think, oh, that disgusts me. Well, that's kind of what Solomon is saying here. Dishonest scales, it, it disgusts God. Or you might want to say, dishonest scales are repulsive. Well, I don't know what repulse you. But that's what the verse is saying. A false balance is disgusting to God. I mean, that's strong language. So when I read that, I say to myself, boy, this must be a much bigger deal than I realized. If the Lord abhors, it's an abomination. A dishonest scales. You see, in this day and age, when Solomon was writing, there would be set standards. And so, you know, maybe they would weigh oftentimes things with shekels. And so... You know, they would put it on there, but sometimes they would kind of carve, like shave off a little bit of the weight. So somebody would be thinking that they're going to get 10 shekels of wheat, but actually the weight is only 9 shekels. And so but they're paying 10, expecting to get 10, but they're only getting 9. We would call that a fraud. We'd say, well, it's fraudulent. Well, that's what Solomon is addressing. So, let's ask the question. How much is enough? Integrity. Would 95% cut, cut it for you? How much? Well, then, of course, we go to the question, well, Donald, exactly what is integrity? What does, like, what is integrity? Thinking about that, of course, there's lots of definitions out there, but this is what I thought kind of clarified what it was best. Integrity is what you see is what you get. What you see is what you get. See, you, you don't act, uh, or you do act the same way with everybody no matter where you are. In other words, you don't have your work life and your church life separately and your family life, and your computer life late at night, and your social life late at night, that it's different. 
It's all the same. See, integrity is when your private life matches your public life. That's a life of integrity. When your behavior matches your beliefs. Sometimes people get reputation mixed up with integrity. See, reputation is what I convince you to think who I am. That's my reputation. It's who you think I am. Integrity is actually who I am. Ever had a close friend who you thought you knew really well? And all of a sudden you find out, my goodness, they have kind of a separate life going on the side. And you're shocked by it. And you realize there's a kind of lack of integrity. Now, of course, integrity doesn't mean perfection either. And so I I began to think about integrity. And the question that came up, is integrity a forgotten virtue? Because we kind of live in an age where there are no absolute rights and no absolute wrongs. I mean, you can't tell me what's right and what's wrong. So maybe it's not even a virtue worth pursuing. Yet Solomon says, dishonest scales discuss God. So, let's ask the question. How much is enough when it comes to integrity? You know, integrity, of course, is how you fill out your resume. When you're asked questions and you don't want to show maybe a bad side or a weak spot that you have. I can remember the day when someone, remember the feeling, when someone pointed their finger at me and said, Donald, you don't have any integrity. And I said, what? Because all my life that was been so important to me. I'd go, well, what do you mean? It was my roommate. And it was over this issue right here. A cassette tape. Uh, for the younger generation, uh, do you know what this is? Have you, I don't, know if you, I don't know if you've ever seen anything like that. I see people going, no, what is that over there? This, I want to tell you the struggle was real for my generation when it came to music, right? So we had these cassette tapes, which was like, right, this whole new way of, of bringing music with you, no longer the record player. Like you could, and then, of course, when I got this to play it in, the Walkman to play my cassette, I could strut around town anywhere. That was no problem, but here's the problem my roommate Jeff said. This is stereo. I actually still have this. It's downstairs in my basement. There's two cassette players. So back in my day, you know, when Petra had their latest album out, Christian worship album, you would borrow the album from the seat of the tape from somebody, you put it in here, you put your blank tape over here, and you record it, and you get a free copy. It was like amazing. And Jeff said to me one day, Donald, do you think you're stealing? Stealing what? Well, the music. What are you talking about? Now, my friend, interesting, he worked for a music company called Integrity Music. And he said to me, you know, when you make copies, somebody doesn't get paid. So really, you're taking money from the person who has to pay the musicians at the recording studio, those who are writing the songs to the lyrics. You're, you're taking from them. And you're not even paying for it. I remember that day, I never again made another copy. Because I was like, I, I don't want that to be true for me. 
I actually remember the day when someone tried to talk me into compromising. I was selling my Jeep. A guy came. He wanted to come Sunday morning. I said, no, actually, I'm going to be at church on Sunday. But if you want to stop by Sunday afternoon, you can. So he comes by. He looked at it. I'll buy it. I was asking $13,500 for it. He said, "Um, do you mind, like, writing a receipt for $9,000? That way I don't have to pay as much taxes on it. Now, I just told him I came from church. He knows. I told him I was a youth pastor. And I remember for a moment in my mind, like, will I lose the sale if I don't do this? And I finally, I I, I literally thought about it. It wasn't a quick immediately, oh, no, I could not do that. I remember thinking, oh, no, I don't know. I don't want to offend him. And I remember saying, actually, um, I I, I can't do that. I I, I don't think it would be honest. He said, oh, no, I understand. Let me just fill it in then. So I was like, oh, well, I guess it's not on me then. It's on him. And then I read a little line on the, on the back of the, the title. It said, Fill, filled in by owner. So I couldn't really let someone else fill it in. And I realized that would not be ethical. So, why would people compromise their integrity? Like, why? I mean, we read in the verse, it says, it's, and it's an abomination to the Lord. So why would followers of Jesus be willing to compromise their integrity? Why would anyone do that? Why would someone want to lie? Why would someone want to deceive someone else? Why would we want to live that way? I thought about that. One reason is to gain an advantage. Like, I know we teach our children, you know, you need to be fair in life. But we don't always like when life is fair because we kind of like to have a leg up on somebody. We like having the advantage because we like getting the deal to save a little bit of money. And yet I was thinking about that with scales, a dishonest scale. And I was wondering, an unfair advantage is like a false balance. And then I thought, well, what's another reason? that people would be willing to compromise, it's, well, to get what we want. You know, maybe you and your spouse have made the decision, listen, honey, you know, we, need, we, we got some big debt here. Let's try to whittle down the debt. Let's really work on the debt, getting it paid off. So we're going to really watch our spending. But your spouse is at the mall with a friend, not planning to buy anything, but the friend's going to buy something. And they're just there to help the friend buy something. But then the spouse sees something they really like. And it, like, it was made for them. It was like God had a spotlight on that outfit to get their attention to buy it. And they buy the outfit and they put it in the closet and they leave it there for a couple months. And then they come out with this new outfit. And the spouse says, oh, is that a new outfit? <laughs> this old thing? It's been hanging in my closet for months. I just dragged it out. So sometimes we compromise so we can get what we want. Sometimes we compromise to avoid consequences. Because we know if we were to tell the truth, there could be some ramifications to it. Now I know, right there, you're going to say, wait up, Donald, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Okay, that's all well and good in certain scenarios, but what about those moral dilemmas? 
when you can't really always be truthful. Like, what about um, like a surprise party? I can't tell them I'm going to have a party for them. It's a surprise. So I just kind of mislead them. Is that okay? Or what about when people were hiding Jews during the war? Right? They certainly were pretending to be doing something different than they were doing. Or what about uh, the Underground Railroad? I, I just watched the movie Harriet Tubman. She was called the Moses of the Civil War because she was helping slaves escape from south and bring them into Canada. So would that be okay, though? To say what needed to be said so they could get the slaves here? Because I, I'm not saying, you know, it's ever right to lie. And sometimes we say, well, the ends will justify the means. It's, it's, it's one of those moral dilemmas. And the Bible's filled with moral dilemmas. You think of an, an Exodus. Remember when Pharaoh told the midwives? See, Israel was growing so fast, uh, they needed to kind of squash the population growth. And so the Pharaoh said to all the midwives for the Israelites, listen, when those babies are born, make sure they don't survive. That was the word from Pharaoh. Head of the government tells the midwife, don't let the babies survive. Well, nothing changes. The Israelites are still growing, but the population is just growing and growing and growing. And finally, they're brought before the Pharaoh, and like, well, why are you doing what I told you to do? They say, oh, those Israelite women, when they go into labor, they give babies, they birth babies so fast, we don't get there in time to help them. It's a moral dilemma, right? Like, what, what do I do in this situation? See, this is where it actually gets complicated. This is where it doesn't always, it's not always easy. So let's revisit the verse again. The Lord abhors dishonest scales. But accurate weight, oh, he finds favor with him. Do you know that Jesus was actually harder on religious hypocrites than he was on prostitutes and adulterers and tax collectors. He came down harder on those who claimed to be religious but had no integrity. In fact, you can find it. One example is in Matthew chapter 25. Jesus is speaking. He says, woe to you, hypocrites. And I say, wow, when Jesus says, woe to you, you know you're in trouble. <laughs> See, what was happening here, the, the Pharisees are putting on their game face. They looked religious. They talked religious. They sounded religious. They did everything that was religious. But the inside was a complete mess. And he says to them, are you so blind that you don't even see the mess that's inside of you? Integrity starts from the inside. It doesn't start from the outside. It starts from the inside. And so I have often ask myself, Donald, when you go to work, when you come to church on Sunday, are you wearing a mask? Are you the real deal? Is what people see what you are as well when they're not around? Woe to the man or the woman, Jesus said, who lacks integrity. So let's be honest. Right? We're amongst friends and family here. Let's be honest. It's easy. It's easy to come here, put on a smile. And act and pretend everything's okay. My relationship with God is good. Good. 
and yet inside you know there's, there's trouble. I just want to let you know, like, I want to be a man of integrity. Like, I really want to be what you see. I do not want to be someone different when you're not around. That is the desire of my heart. But I do know there are times the temptation to compromise the integrity is strong. And so what I want to ask you, if you would just take a moment right now and pray and ask God for him to expose. It's a dangerous prayer, I guess. But God, would you expose any area of my life that lacks integrity? I know it's a hard prayer to pray. But I'm going to encourage you in the quietness of this moment to ask that God would do that. And let me tell you, I'm not asking you to look at your life and say, oh man, what a loser I am. I'm asking you to pray to God and see if there's something that needs to be realigned. Just realigned in your relationship with God. And what I love is the promise of God's word that says, if, if we confess our sins, this is the good part, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks for listening, and consider joining us live on Sundays at 9.15 and 11 a.m. For our address, directions, and any other information, find us online at templebaptist.com. There's nobody-